Maybe it's true. Well, <laughs> we have this is our first since the spring break, right? We didn't last week. Yeah, so I guess it, it's been like what three weeks? About about. That feels two. long. Yeah, I mean, spring break felt short, and last week felt short, and then you combine the two, and suddenly an eternity has passed. I know, and I was just telling Nick this um, this morning. In some ways, I feel like it could still be February, to be honest with you. And then in other ways, I'm confused why it's only April. <laughs> yeah, especially now that we're at the end of April. Like, I look at the calendar, April 28th, and think, where am I exactly? Like, are we just getting into this distance learning thing? Or am I, like, a couple steps away from closing my laptop for the summer? Like, <laughs> what's happening? Yeah, here? totally. I know, and we've got... You know, my birthday is coming up in two weeks. Exhibition is happening in four weeks. And, and then summer yeah. school starts. It's really, really wild to be at this point in this school year. And maybe what's just pronouncing it even more is just every day that I get one question answered, I have three more that crop up about what it is we're doing and, and, and how we can continue to support our kids and their families in the learning and it's it's it is a daily i mean i tweeted about it today this is this is not easy you would I'm think it'd be easy but it's not easy yeah and i um you know i so value our conversations we get to have every morning with our team um you know we meet with the the entire school every morning at at 9 a.m to kind of start our day and and i love those experiences that keith and becky lead because a, they give me like so many ideas of what it means to be like a good Zoom facilitator, you know, but I also think it is a place to kind of air those questions and ground me in like, okay, what day is it actually? What sorts of supports can I be giving to the kids? What sorts of supports do I need myself? Uh, and like, where are we going <laughs> with all of this? Yeah. I like love that, that we get to start that way. I can't imagine for some educators that don't get to interface with their admin as frequently as we do. And on that note, I, I think talking about our the efficacy that we have towards each other um, in those meetings, you had brought up um, just before we were recording our last episode, uh, your idea about talking about uh, cross-curricular assessment. And I think that, that would be an excellent thing to dive into today. So uh, without further ado, this is the Odyssey of Learning podcast. My name is Hunter. And I'm Courtney. And we do have to talk about assessment as it pertains to our high school, because it is certainly uh, not the norm when you think of a traditional high school uh, assessment program. Um, and it is just that. It is cross-curricular, as I had mentioned. Uh, so, Courtney, if you want to kind of kick things off here and explain, you know, just kind of a, a textbook definition, an Odyssey textbook definition of what cross-curricular assessment even is, what does that look like? Totally. Um, I mean, cross-curricular assessment was something that when I joined the Odyssey team, uh, I guess it would be three years ago, um, was how do you even cross-curricularly grade um, was a big question that I, that I came to the team with because in my own high school experience and then in the experiences that I had working in comprehensive schools, evaluation was done uh, behind closed doors right, only by like a single subject advisor or teacher. Um, so the English teacher would only look at things that were produced in the English classroom, or the math teacher would only look at things that were produced in the math classroom. Uh, but Odyssey kind of blows that context uh, of being like more isolated out of the water and focuses more on learning for the whole kid 
uh, in their whole day or their whole experience in school um, and looking more holistically at learning through the lens of cross-curricular evaluation. Um, so oftentimes at Odyssey, it looks like getting together with other advisors that share the same kids within our village and chatting with each other about what do we notice in one artifact of learning or in our conversations that we have with a particular scholar, with a group of scholars about where they're at in their learning and what areas they could serve to advance their thinking in. Um, so it really is kind of like a group effort to get together and think about, you know, one scholar at a time and really trying to personalize our feedback, looking at these different uh, lenses that we all carry, right? Getting a math perspective, a STEM perspective, and a humanities perspective all in one conversation really does allow us to give uh, stronger feedback about learning to, to one particular scholar. So that's kind of what it looks like for me. Uh, do you have anything to add to that or maybe like filling in a definition of like, when do we even do that at Odyssey? Like, it sounds like it would be such a a crazy use of our time, but but I find that it actually fits quite naturally in with our schedule. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm uplifted because I see the general trend of assessment at the secondary level is certainly headed increasingly towards cross-curricular assessment. Um, between my student teaching and then the different placements that I've had in my career so far, I've sort of seen a wide range of assessment from very traditional practices um, into the more kind of what we're talking about today, this idea that you're bringing a team together that is uh, cross-disciplinary, interdisciplinary in nature um, to assess the whole child, right? You're not assessing anyone's skill or competency in isolation from the other things that they know how to do and then trying to figure out how can we channel the energies um, that any single scholar possesses so that they're successful across the board. Um, e even at, at my placements where the assessment was more traditional, um, don't need to name the school, but I commend their efforts because they were actively uh, trying to introduce practices that were requiring, say, all of the English teachers to go talk to the math team um, about their scholars. And, and you could tell there was a little tension there because some people that had been in education for a long time, um, didn't see the point, right? They had, they had spent their entire lives just meeting as an English team. Why on earth would they need to go to the math team? Um, but slowly but surely, I think people are starting to really see the value of that. And at Odyssey, it, it manifests itself in a number of ways. And kind of the what I see as like the foundational piece of cross-curricular assessment that we do comes in the form of our progress reports, where at the end of every trimester, we have time set aside our village team, which is you know me, the humanities advisor, Nicole, the STEM advisor, uh, science, and then uh, split time between Alice and Wences, our, our 10th grade math advisors, and you do the same. Uh, with Alice and Wences, but Gail is your science uh, representative, excuse me. Um, and it's just such, I love those conversations. It's such a great time to just talk about kids, not as a product of what they have done and what they have accomplished, but just who they are. And, and, and kind of using that as more of a top-down approach to their skills. You know, you prioritize who this scholar is and what makes them so special, so great. And then you realize that through the work that they've done 
and try to unlock these clues as to if they're you know maybe struggling in a particular area. Well, let's see where they've been successful and, and, and try to, to calibrate a little bit. Um, and so coming up with that progress report every trimester um, and, and getting to narrate that and articulate that to the scholar, to their families, um, it, it's one of my favorite things that I do at Odyssey. It's just such a, a rewarding time. But we also get together and we discuss uh, cross-curricular assessment in the context of exhibitions. So moments where we get together as a campus community and we are displaying our learning, we're taking ownership and uh, and really diving in headfirst into our knowledge and, and our skills. Um, and, and then kind of, again, stepping aside as a village team to recognize that, to celebrate those efforts and those advancements. Um, I think what's valuable for me is I, as I've admitted on this podcast before, I am not a math and science person at all. It's just it, numbers don't work in my brain like they do. Um, and so um, I'm, I'm vulnerable enough to admit that. So getting to hear our math advisors and our science advisors articulate something that our scholars do so well that I wouldn't have been able to otherwise observe for myself is so rewarding. And it gives me such a better idea as to who this scholar is. And then even on an informal level, we have scholars pursuing their own passions, free of the content that we are delivering on a regular basis. And we can once again use this idea of cross-curricular assessment to see what the scholar is demonstrating outside of the expectations that we're setting in our classroom. You know, if you're passionate about something and you want to pursue that, you want to expand upon your learning and still demonstrate these skills along the way, we could still get together as a village team and take a look at that. So I know I've been rambling on and on, but I'm only now realizing that cross-curricular assessment takes a pretty big place at, at Odyssey. And, and now to be able to articulate that is is pretty re- rewarding um, and certainly some advantages, wouldn't you say? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, listening to you list them all out like that, I feel like I had like a million thoughts, you know, pop in about how this is a style of assessment that not only benefits us as advisors, like being able to give more thoughtful and well-rounded feedback um, to the whole child, but also for the kids and for their families. Um, You know, but just for me, like from the advisor perspective, when I think about the value of cross-curricular assessment, I'm drawn to the, uh, you know, story that you just told that little vignette about what it means for you to cross-curricularly evaluate is that you get to suddenly become uh, like awoken to all of the other ways that scholars are showing learning outside of your individual context. And that definitely happens for me. Um, You know, from the advisor perspective too, like I think to our most recent experience doing cross-curricular evaluation and how many little moments of learning got to be brought to the surface, just talking with another advisor about a kid and about their project or about their learning. Like, you know, Winces saw something that I didn't necessarily see because he had a conversation with this scholar after school, like three weeks ago, or Paul was in an internship with this scholar, like a couple of months back. And they actually demonstrated this communication strategy, like through this big project that they were doing that I had no idea about. It's like just putting our brains together and thinking about a scholar as they go about their entire day just allows us so many more points of evidence to really truly authentically evaluate them and kind of where they're at with these different skills. Because someone might not perform very well academically in the context of humanities, but they flourish in STEM. 
And in the STEM classroom, they're collaborating and they're asking questions and they're researching, which are all skills that we also are assessing in humanities. You know, so it really just allows me to see a bigger picture of what a single scholar is doing uh, by being able to bounce ideas and stories off of my colleagues. And I love that. It's like so rewarding. Like you said, it's like such an amazing part of this work. And to your point, when you really break down the walls of the classroom in that sense, you know, I think traditionally scholars have themselves pegged as, oh, I really like math. I'm a real big science person. No, no, I love humanities. They, they have these preconceptions about their own abilities. And when they're assessed in isolation of other content areas, that only serves to reinforce those preconceptions about themselves and their, their ability. Now you bring in this cross-curricular assessment model. And I think for scholars, the biggest advantage is they start to understand and they start to realize that they can do these things. It might not be in the traditional context of the work that's going on or the, the work that's going on in the science classroom, but without them even knowing it, they're actually realizing these competencies just in different contexts. So it's like, yeah, you, you might not think that you enjoy science, but look at all of these skills that you're demonstrating with Paul in the environmental sustainability complex, or that you're demonstrating with, uh, with Simmons in the humanities context with research for an op-ed. There's all of these different things that come into play when you're able to realize that learning can take place in so many different ways. And having those discussions and sharing those observations with scholars is so rewarding. And I I have to assume really rewarding for families as well. Hasn't that been your experience, Courtney? Totally. You know, I mean, when when I think about conversations I've had with families at Odyssey and, and at other schools, a big question on their mind is like, how are you as a teacher, as an advisor, uh, working to prepare my student to take on the real world? You know, whatever that looks like for them, whether that means going to college, whether that means entering a trade school or jumping right into an occupation, um, you know, or working to pursue like an entrepreneurial experience, like right out of high school. And I think for families, there's a lot of clarity that comes from the cross-curricular model uh, because they're able to see their scholar being evaluated as an individual, as opposed to being evaluated only as like a mathematician in the confines of math or a scientist in the confines of science. It like opens up all of the potential that a young person has by really highlighting who they are, what they're capable of, no matter what the context is. And I love that about this model, because I think that at the end of the day, families want their kids to be happy and they want their kids to be able to be successful and to be able to offer such a comprehensive look at a scholar and give them specific feedback on how they could grow across multiple contexts really allows them to flourish um, in the best way. And also too, for families, you know, communicates to them really what's going on at school in a really complex way, not in isolation as you were kind of mentioning earlier. Right. I, I love, I love this model, you know, as an advisor, I love it if I was a learner and I'd love it if I was a family too. It's awesome. But at the same time, we're like trying to figure out all this. <laughs> I know very, where you're going with smooth, this. Not a very smooth transition, but all of a sudden I was like, oh yeah, but now we're kind of unable to meet with each other to do cross-curricular assessment. The elephant in, in the room. Yeah. <laughs> well, the elephant in our separate rooms because we're not in yeah. the same place. Um, yeah, but so now we're distance learning. So is cross-curricular assessment happening or not? And like, how does it look differently 
what does distance learning mean for cross-curricular assessment? Does it get easier? Does it get harder? Are we still making time for it? What's your experience been, Hunter, during distance learning as it, as it specifically relates to, to our ability to cross-curricularly assess? I mean, I think that it just changes. I don't think that that's a change for the better or a change for the worse. I think it's just challenging us to think about that cross-curricular assessment in a new way. So obviously, one of the advantages that we have identified with distance learning, and it's not just with cross-curricular assessment, but with everything that we do, um, we just have such a heightened flexibility in our work, whether it's meeting with scholars, meeting with our colleagues and peers, meeting with our our administration. Um, There's no real schedule that we feel like we have to conform to. And without those restraints, a lot of that pressure for me has been released. I mean, when, when I'm at school and I'm on campus, I always feel a certain amount of pressure that I have to get X, Y, and Z done within the time that's given to me. Um, and I find that that pressure has definitely been released um, with the advent of distance learning and just you know communicating on Zoom calls and, and, and doing our work that way. But like all things as well that I identify as a con with distance learning, um, it, it sounds weird. I'm gonna I'm gonna just say it, and if it sounds weird to say it, I'll explain why. Um, assessment is odd when you lose the human element, and it sounds weird to me is because we're literally not doing anything different. We're having the same conversations. We're having we're going through the same processes, only through a computer and not in person. Mm -hmm. And so on paper, you would look at that and think, okay, well, if you're doing the same thing, like why, what, what human element, what are you talking about? Um, And maybe it's just me, but, you know, being able to be with a team in the moment to talk about a scholar and their abilities, I think that there is power in that. There's a power for me, not only to speak with my, my colleagues in person, but in the ability to, you know, maybe if we had a question and we were doing this assessment on campus, it's not unprecedented for us to call a scholar in and just to continue to ask them questions. And and that's a lot more difficult to do when you've got the Zoom call. And if you even wanted to bring someone in, the the logistics and the time that it would take to make that happen um, is is certainly not available to you. Um, And so I, I did miss when we recently did our our most recent cross-curricular assessment, I missed being physically present with my team. Um, I I felt like there was a certain element that was missing in the energy uh, that normally comes with these kinds of meetings. And um, I don't think that took anything away from the final product, but just like my feeling about the process as a whole was, uh, was, was hampered a little bit. Um, and I, I, that's sort of what I was left reflecting after that. I'm not sure if you've had any similar experiences when it comes to advantages or disadvantages to distance learning and cross-curricular assessment. Yeah. I mean, I resonate a lot with what you're saying about missing the in-person dynamics of working with like an, a team of adults. Uh, but I also think that probably partially the, um, incomplete sensation you're experiencing like was also a result of us not being with scholars in person so like we're not able to read their nonverbals. you know do you understand yeah. the concept or we're not able to have like little pull aside conversations with them you know separate from the whole class about their understanding or 
able to encourage them to pursue an interest through a club, you know, and, and we're working to build up that interface of like hosting clubs on campus and supporting scholars and pursuing their personal interests. But like, you don't realize all of the, as a teacher, like all of the little ways that you engage with young people during the day that feel insignificant, but now that we don't have them amount to like something really significant, you know, like knowing a whole kid and being able to speak to them as a person, um, even just in a quick way, uh, missing that definitely, I think, makes cross-curricular assessment, any assessment, uh, super challenging. And I, and I also want to, um, you know, clarify too, I think that during this period of distance learning, the word assessment carries a lot of weight because I think that some educators, um, you know, rightfully so equate it with like a grade you know, and punishing kids for maybe not having access uh, to the True. internet or not having access to their ability to attend class or complete an assignment. And and I want to, I want to make sure that gets on the podcast too. You know, like we're, when we think about assessment at Odyssey, whether it's cross-curricular, whether it's individual, we're not penalizing kids ever for anything, right? It's just our effort as advisors to document where they're at right now and give them advice or suggestions on what they can do to improve, whether it's on that artifact or whether it's on the next artifact. And getting to put more adult brains together to give them that feedback has certainly has its, its, its merits. But at no point are we using assessment to like tear kids down or make them feel bad for whatever reason they're, they're unable to participate or, or complete learning tasks. But we do want to continue to offer them feedback. And I think that's one thing that's been a pro for me of the distance learning is though we're not seeing them, I feel like we're still giving them really high quality assessment. Uh, you know, which in, in a lot of cases is like one of the main ways we communicate with them saying, you know, here's what we're celebrating about this artifact of your learning. And here would be a good next step for you. Uh, as you, as you look ahead to the next upcoming week, you know, how you could apply what you learned here to other things. Um, and the final con, I feel like I'm really going for it right now. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this monologue, everyone. <laughs> no, uh, go for it. The final con that comes to my mind is just, especially when we think about passion projects, like I would pop into Gail's classroom or pop into Alice's classroom or your classroom or Winston's classroom, Nicole's classroom, or Paul or Aaron or Keith or Becky, just like for five minutes and ask them a question about a scholar, about an artifact of learning when we were back at school. And losing that... Um, convenience of just being able to pop in and ask a quick question, whether it's about assessment or, you know, something bigger, um, is difficult with distance learning. So I think that some of those like on the fly conversations between kids and advisors isn't happening. Uh, and also some of those on the fly conversations between advisor and advisor isn't happening. And I think that that, I miss that aspect of being in person. I feel that. Yeah. I, the, there's, and, and maybe that's how you would sum up the cons, right? Like the, the element of convenience that is now missing as a result of having to do everything digitally like this. Uh, I think that goes for, that goes for both of our impressions of uh, cross-curricular assessment during this, uh, this lockdown for sure. But um, you had alluded earlier and I, and I kind of want to circle back as we, as we wrap up this podcast Um to the fact that you've done a lot of growth and a lot of learning. You've been challenged in your thinking quite a bit when it comes to what cross-curricular assessment looks like 
and what that means for you, what that means for our scholars, what that means for a school overall. And so maybe just to kind of sum up you know, your growth and your learning, what has really changed about you, about your practice, about anything now that you have this current understanding of cross-curricular assessment? I'm such a geek for assessment these days. It's not even funny. I have so much I want to say. <laughs> it's like, I feel like assessment used to be the thing I hated most about teaching because I looked at it as like this punitive action that you do to a kid. And for so many reasons, you know, that that Odyssey has shifted the way I think about learning um, and about assessment. I think that the biggest way is that I've just looked at assessment. I look at assessment now as an opportunity to celebrate a scholar's current growth and give them next steps for their continued learning. And cross-curricular assessment, you know, when you're working with a team of other adult experts, not only experts in their field, you know, whether it be math or STEM or humanities, but also experts in learning and in this particular scholar, you know, that we're, we're discussing, it's like, the opportunity that it gives us as advisors to help support a kid's next steps in learning is just like so magical to me that it's probably the biggest way my thinking has changed um is just that now i like love assessment because i look at it as a next step or as a next opportunity for scholars as opposed to like the end of a chapter the closing of a book you know that cannot be returned to or reopened And I just think getting to capture all of the different expertise that a team of adults can bring to that conversation to really holistically support a kid and thinking about their future and their growth is just like so magical to me, which I realize I've used the word magical twice, but I really love assessment. Okay. (laughs) How about for you? I I think you say, I think you I was going to say, I think if you say magical five times on a podcast, a, a unicorn will virtually appear but uh, there's still time i think you're up to uh, you're up to three or at the (laughs) Um, (laughs) i might need it at this point hey you know what i think that we can excuse uh a lack of diversity and vocabulary to uh distance learning i certainly have let me tell you i yeah i i totally agree with where you're coming from and i have very similar views or i should say i i've had had very similar views um, to what assessment looks like. Um, not even that I was focused too much on that punitive aspect, but more like, I guess I always saw assessment as like busy work, like something that just kind of had to be done because that's, that's how we make determinations about kids, which I was never really all that wild about. I mean, I was wild about the learning experiences and I was wild about getting to like know kids and like understand them and then use that understanding to help them learn more about themselves. And then I step into this world of cross-curricular assessment. And at this point, I would believe that this is probably the most respectful thing that I do as a professional educator. And what I mean by that is I feel that cross-curricular assessment indicates to a kid that you are not considering them in isolation. You're not considering them in this bubble that they are only capable of the things that they do or that you 
set an expectation for them to do within the confines of your work. I, I don't, I, I really wish that I could feel what a scholar feels in their perspective because of all the things that I did when I was high school age, I give just as much weight to the things I did outside of the classroom that I did inside the classroom. But I was never validated for the things that I did outside of the classroom. Mm -hmm. And with cross-curricular assessment, I, I think that we now help kids realize that they have this massive capability. They have this massive um, just database of skills that they access on a regular basis. And now that we have this system that can help recognize and, and, and really highlight that is, is just amazing. And I think that that, that, that validation is, is probably one of the biggest signs of respect that I have shown um, to a scholar that, Hey, even though you and I were still working on this essay or we're still working um, on this uh, narrative text analysis, um, I see you. I see what you're doing and I want you to know that you are capable. Like I, I, I see this and I'm, I'm recognizing you through this assessment. I'm recognizing you for what you can and can do very well outside of the classroom. And I, I never thought that I'd be able to do anything that fulfilling. So uh, dare I say magical, hey Courtney? <sighs> Yay. Dare you say it. <laughs> it's, it's special. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, um, as I mentioned earlier, there's like definitely assessment was not the thing that brought me to education in any way. And it sounds like you either. Um, but it's the thing that continues to fill my bucket uh, time and time again. Like you said, it feels like the most right we can do by a young person in supporting their learning, to be honest with them about what we notice about their, their strengths and their areas to continue to grow. Well, we are already getting ready for our next round of cross-curricular assessment at Odyssey. We're already thinking ahead to the end of trimester three. Uh, but just after this conversation, I'm even further uplifted that it is going to be an amazing experience. And uh, who knows, we might put out another episode that describes uh, the next round of cross-curricular assessment. But uh, to anyone who may be listening, uh, who's out there, whether you're an educator, a student, parent, family, whatever the case is, um, we're just thankful that you are rolling with this distance learning the way that you are. Um, and I think the more that we're able to build support around each other, the better. And until then, we'll be here with the Odyssey of Learning podcast. My name is Hunter. And I'm Courtney. We hope you have a wonderful day, folks. Thanks for listening. Bye.